Welcome to the Rural Record Producer podcast. I'm David Booth from the Recording Booth studio in rural Suffolk, UK. The studio is a building in my garden, so you could say I'm making records in an English country garden. I'm a music producer, singer, songwriter and eternally distracted multi-instrumentalist. In these weekly podcasts, I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of different people with one thing in common. They make some or all of their living from music. So expect songwriters, promoters, brand specialists, electronic drums, wizards, live sound engineers, choir leaders, gig bookers, festival curators, tribute band musicians, music charity chiefs and a whole lot more. I'm based in the UK, but I have musical friends in different parts of the world, so I'll be doing my best to hook up with all of them over the coming weeks and months to give a broader view of this crazy collection of jobs we do. My guest this week is Nathan Timothy. Calling Nathan a songwriter is a massive understatement, which we'll get onto later. He's also a singer, music producer, and chief executive of a charity dedicated to the empowerment of young people and communities through the art and craft of songwriting, called, appropriately, The Songwriting Charity. As far as I'm concerned, the title of Nathan's latest album, Chasing the Positive, is a perfect description of this inspiring man. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Dave. Greetings. (laughs) It's very nice to have you on the podcast and and thank you for being here. Um, Thanks for having me. um, So you're down in your pod uh, in, in your home in Kent. Are you still there? I am. You are. This is uh, this is this is where all the magic happens in this little converted studio in my garage. Ah, excellent. That's what I do. Yeah, to uh, all my recording. Right. Mixing. Okay. And and uh, and this is a, a fully functioning. Uh, from what I can see, and from what you've told me, it's a. It is actually a, a fully functioning recording studio, isn't it? It's just a little one. It, it's, it certainly is. Yeah. I mean, we crammed a lot into this small space. Um, long as, oh, it's been here for a few years now, and. Um, yeah, we. I wanted us when the children were younger. I wanted a space that I could mix in and I could just record things in that wasn't in the house. So um, I literally walk out the back door, um, yeah. around the corner into my garage, and yeah. we have a little soundproofed, um, treated room that I can finish things off relatively quickly in if I need to. Yeah, um, it's great. It's great. I mean, it's, it's got everything I need. It, it looks it's a lot a- smarter than mine. I have to say. It's mine's, I got, mine's I, a mess. I had loads of gear, and then I, then I got rid of everything. I had loads of keyboards <laughs> and bits and bobs about outboard and so on, and just got rid of it all because uh, yeah, yeah. I just do everything in the box now. Yeah, well, box yeah. And, me too. Me too. Pretty much. Got a, uh, got a nice mic pre. Yep. Um, what have you got? Let's oh, let's let's go on. Let's, oh, let's talk about it. What, what have you got? Do we get arrested for talking about gear? It's no. A, well, a, obviously <laughs> there we there will be some gear nuts listening to this, but we don't want to get too technical for too long. But go on, no, just in no. case there are some gearheads. It's just a TC electronic um, okay. desktop connect, yeah. which which is good. Yeah. I mean, I've been using it for years. I, I sh- maybe should upgrade it, but it's, it works. <laughs> if it if it um, broke, etc. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. No, that's right. It's not broke and. It's good for monitoring vocals and things. So yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all we need. And you've got a nice mic there. I've seen a nice mic. What's your mic? Um, oh, I've got a couple. I've got um, I've got a copy of a <laughs> of a of a Neumann U eighty seven. Okay. Just uh, from uh, I just got in January, which is great. But I recorded most of the album with this one, which you can see, uh, which is an Aston. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Is it a Halo or something like that? Is it? Uh, that's that's the. <laughs> I love the fact that you're you're about as bothered about the names of things as I am. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, I it's just a, know it sounds good. Yeah, I know. Aston mics are good. It doesn't really matter what it is, does it? No, no. It it's. Uh, I'm, I'm more in, I'm more into the songwriting really than the than the, than the gear. Than the but, gear, uh, yeah. It does, it does a good does a good job. Well, well, yes. So, so the the reason that I suppose there's no numerous reasons uh, I decided that you must get get in early on my podcast. Um, yeah. And songwriting is going to be a word we will definitely use a lot in the next bunch of minutes isn't it um but let's let's go back (laughs) let's go back uh what i'm what i'm tending to do uh if it's all right with you nathan nathan with with everyone else i've spoke to so far is talk about how you got into doing music um yeah so you know a potted history of uh obviously everybody i speak to we're all told music nuts and we do music uh because it's part of our soul how did you actually get into it 
Wow. Um, and you are allowed to go back as far. I mean, I, I, I went, uh, I start at the age of three when, when people ask me that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it started with me, um, when, when I was, uh, it was sort of early, early eighties. Um, so I would have been about 10, I guess. Um, we, the family got an opportunity to go and go and live in the Middle East. My dad got a job working in a hospital in, in the Middle East. And we all upped and, and emigrated for, for 18 months. And we didn't know it was going to be 18 months at the time. We thought it was going to be quite a, a lot longer than that. Um, and when we got to the Middle East, there was no TV. There was, there was I mean, there was nothing. So um, all I had really was the radio um, uh, and cassettes that we used to buy from the market. Every, every week we used to get a load of dodgy um cassettes <laughs> but I, did, I didn't know it was illegal you know and i'd bring home like literally you know maybe 40 50 cassettes every 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 week Blimey. Um, and, I, and i'd make my way through all these cassettes i sort of began my collecting habit i love collecting vinyl right and cds and things but um that it stems from there and dvds and everything else i've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. anyway so um i'd bring these cassettes home and i'd listen to them and I'd be fascinated by the songs and how the songs were making me feel. And I thought, wow, how do people make me sad? How is this making me sad? Why is this making me cry? Why is this, why is this exciting? I, mean, I, I know at the age of 10, I know that's a bit of a weird thing to think, but I, I, was, I was obsessed with the, the, the kind of emotion that was um, oh, yeah. coming out of these songs. And I thought, even then, I can remember thinking, I want to one day be able to write a song as good as this, you know, when I was listening. Particularly, I know it's just, uh, this is going to sound really awful, but uh, uh, listening to a song, uh, I can vividly remember listening to a song by Barry Manley. Wow. I was thinking, this is just incredible. This is, how, how does this work? How does this, this, this making me feel like this? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was a song called... Um, Made it through the rain. That's just, yeah. of, that's just incredible, incredible yeah. song. Anyway, that be, it became an obsession there in the Middle East, and and then while I was in the Middle East, my my mum and dad went out to one of these sort of parties, in uh, sort of work parties, um, and there was no childcare for for my sister and I, so we were taken along as well, um, and. This one particular house had uh, an organ. One of these kind of, at the time, it would have been a sort of state-of-the-art <laughs> thing. And my, my dad sat me down at this organ and put headphones on. He said, I'll have a play with that. And, I mean, it was like, <laughs> it, was like it was an incredible feeling. Just sitting there and just starting to play these notes and got rhythms going and all sorts. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So following that, and uh, that feeling that I got sitting, sitting in that organ, it was, I was just nagging my parents. Can I, I, can I have piano lessons? I want organ lessons. I right. want this. I want that. And sadly, it was always met with a no because they couldn't afford it or yeah. it just wasn't possible. And when we came back from the Middle East, this obsession with wanting to play an instrument carried on and I've, Dad, can I have piano lessons? No, can't afford it. Oh, okay. Mum, can I have? I really want a piano. If you really want a piano, you've got to, <laughs> got to save up and you've got to buy a piano. So the next stage was me getting uh, a paper round right. to pay for the piano. But I couldn't save money for toffee. So I, I'd get, I'd, I'd save up 10 quid and then I'd spend it on a record. <laughs> so it, it, it just, this went on for ages. I mean, this went on for years. I kept, kept getting, um, getting the money and spending it. So I then decided, right, a, a, a better way to make more money was to, to actually try and cut out the, the paper shop and get the papers direct from the actual source. So I, so I went to, I mean, this, I, I, I was about, I don't know, 14, maybe 13, 14. Um, and I went to the paper maker direct, the, the South Wales Argos direct. And I said, look, instead of delivering them to the paper shop, can you deliver them to my house? And, um, and I, I'll make the round bigger and I'll get more people and blah, blah, blah. So it's quite entrepreneurial. Wow. And because of that, I then saved up more money quicker. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I, I had enough money to, to, to get a piano eventually. But the, the way I got the piano 
<laughs> was uh, by nagging a friend's mum who had one. And I found some, a friend of mine had, had this piano in her room. And uh, every time I went there, I'd say to her, look, I know you've got this piano. Do you use it? And she was like, no, I don't use it much. So is it, <laughs> is it possible one day I could buy this piano? So I was like planting the seed. Yeah. And then I kept, every, every time I went back, I'd say a little bit more and say, oh, you know, is, is it possible this, that um, I could buy the piano off you one day if I give you a hundred pounds for it or, you know, whatever. Um, and I kept nagging her. And then I, I, this went on for so long that eventually she said, I said, how much money have you got? I said, I've got 40 quid. <laughs> and she gave me, she, she gave me the piano for 40 quid. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, this is amazing. So I got this piano and then, didn't tell my parents that I bought it um, until one day I'd hire, hired the van. Got this guy. To, I said, he said, how are you going to pay me? I said, oh, my dad will pay you when, when, when we get to the house oh with the piano. God. So we got the piano in the back, <clears throat> took it to mum and dad's house. And the first thing they knew about is, was when they opened the front door um, and there was this piano <laughs> in front of the house. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine how popular oh it was. Oh, my Lord. You're and, right. And mum was like... How, what are you doing with this piano? How come you've I said, well, I saved up. You, you said to me years ago, you said if I wanted a piano and I saved up, I could have one. And how old were you by this point? So I would have been, I would have been 13, 14, maybe when I got this piano. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then um, we then had to find somewhere to put it because we had a, it was a sort of very small house in Wales. And uh, yeah, dad, dad was not, best please because we had to move all of his books out of his study and his shelving out of his study to put the piano in right and um and then obviously a, a piano is quite a loud instrument yeah so it was then me hammering we still couldn't afford lessons so I, i'd sit there every day for long long periods of time just just trying to make sense of it really right um and that's how i learned to play it just sitting there and making shapes with my hands and um writing almost instantly writing songs you know yeah writing, trying to get these songs out of my head um and i'd record everything onto a cassette everything i've got all the cassettes you still got- <laughs> dating right back to the first day that oh I got wow and absolutely awful recordings um but yeah, yeah. But, uh, if you wanted to see the progression from absolute beginner beginner to where, where we are now is um it's it's interesting so you were um could you sing at that point as well <laughs> did that come later um, as well yeah, yeah. I, I well I, I i tried i tried to sing um it wasn't really until oh my word i think it was sort of 80 1989 i started singing properly right i was i was i did lots of uh youth theater um uh, yeah, and then that got me, gave me the confidence, if you like, to sing in public. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really until I went to sort of do A levels that I was I was singing my songs in public. Right. But but we we used, there was a I I met up with a um, was, there were two key people actually. There was um, a guy called Martin Phillips who is still you know really close friend of mine. He recognised my ability to, to, to write lyrics, and he and he was a keyboard player. So we we quickly formed this um, sort of partnership. He could do the bits that I wasn't confident with, and I, I could do the bits he didn't yeah. like to do. So we were like Erasure, you know, we were like the Pet Shop Boys, <laughs> okay. but uh, doing our doing our A levels, um, <laughs> and we'd set up in the corner and we'd play and we. we can you believe that we, we were even even then I'd be doing uh, gigs in pubs with maybe two one hours worth of my original material at that you know wow. at a young age I was I was going out yeah and I was I was very prolific yeah sort of writing 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 all the time yeah but we were Martin and I were very uh, committed we were, we'd, we'd rehearse all the time we'd we'd play we'd, we'd be getting gigs. And this is all, you know, long, long time before, you know, Facebook and Instagram yeah, and all these different yeah. things. Um, and we had, there was another, another key person called Lee Baxter who we'd go to um, 
is felt, you know, often we go and record stuff there. And he had a four track, Fostec four track. <laughs> and he was great. I mean, he, he was the one that uh, enabled us to record the ideas. Yeah. And he, interestingly, um, that recording, you know, that feeling of taking that recording and playing it, it was actually my dad, first of all, playing it to my dad in the car, having spent the day in the studio recording the song. Mm. That feeling is the same feeling I'm trying to give kids now when, you know, yeah. through my, my work with a songwriting charity. So um, it's exactly the same thing. So trying to do that one song in one day and then having that, wow, the ownership of the song and then, you know, and then yeah. playing it to your parents and, and then being proud of it. Because uh, let's, let's be honest, you know, if your parents like it, then job done (laughs) well it it doesn't really matter about anybody else because they're they're the harshest critics well they're well apart from my wife uh who's (laughs) definitely (laughs) but that comes later doesn't it the wife harsh critic yeah Yeah. Uh, playing it playing it to family yeah yeah yeah. uh we we will of course come on um to your to your current work uh with with the songwriting charity um but I, I, I just want to get get a bit more into your. So you as an artist. So I mean, you've just put out your mm. what was it seventh album? Was it your sixth, sixth, fifth, sixth, sixth, which one? Is yeah, it? yeah, I think so. Yeah, you seven. Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I've been, I've been writing so many songs. So it's for all these years now, I don't know. I really. <laughs> lost track so well well you, you see what, what, I'm, what i'm interested in is what how you've kept your passion for it so oh, perhaps perhaps now yeah. would be a good time to to talk about what you do and then if i don't forget we'll return to this question of how on earth have you kept your passion for it where, when you're doing it all day every day perhaps but so yeah. tell us about I, I got to know you um in the early 2000s didn't we and, and at that point you yeah. had your own organization called bully beat um, is that right? That's right. Yeah. And you were doing, um, well, you, you tell me what, what were you doing back then? Cause it's pretty much what yeah. it, it, it developed, wouldn't it? But what, what was that? Yeah. How did that do its thing? What? Well, so, so pre, pre bully beat, I was working as a primary school PE teacher. So I was in a school doing, um, mainly sport. Right. Um, I, I had done that. I was the main kind of contact for PE in schools that I'd worked in for maybe 12, 11, 12 years. Cause, oh, that's right, because you, you were a bit of an athlete, weren't you, in your in your youth? You were you were a rather good uh, hurdler, wasn't yeah, it? I, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was. I was a junior, junior international for for uh, yeah. I represented Wales on numerous occasions and was was top ten in Britain during the nineties and stuff. But wow. um, I think that got to a point where. I, I I really wanted to make a decision and focus on on music because yeah. music was always the thing that I loved more, just a little bit more than the sport. Okay. Um, I I still have amazing memories of, of competing and and training and yeah. you know all the co- coaches that I work with and and the friends I made. Um, I'm still great friends now, but um, music was always more. Uh, yeah uh connect connected with me more if you want yeah yeah okay um, so, so back back from the tangent you you were a PE teacher and you so you were teaching so yeah i was teaching PE. i was i was also the creative arts person in the school so organizing all the um all the music and arts and plays and writing plays for schools and all that sort of stuff which is yeah. all you know really really important extracurricular um stuff yeah. That I did, and I did. Um, you know, I was really proud of that. I did love doing that. Um, but I got asked to uh, get involved with some anti-bullying work, and there was a conference being held uh, at Charlton Athletic Football Stadium, and we'd organised this whole event for. It was, I think there were going to be ten schools involved. Um, they'd all come along, and then throughout the day that the schools would take part in uh, music activities, art activities, drama. Um, we, we would invite people from the community there, like the police and the fire brigade and, uh, and lots of other people as well to, to kind of share experiences with the children. But it was all focused around anti-bullying work. Yeah. And getting the children uh, talking about that. So I was asked to be part of the kind of organising team of that. 
Um, we had funding, everything else, and it was all going really well. And the plan eventually was that the children would run the event. That was going to be like eventually, like maybe in year two, year three, yeah. uh, we get the children to run it. But we, we, we were going to do the first one. So the schools were all on board and everything else. And then it was a, literally about a month before we were going to do it. The, the local edu- education authority said, no, we're not, we don't want to do it. We're going to pull the funding. So we decided mm. to do it anyway. And <laughs> sadly, I, I, well, not sadly, I, I totally understand. A lot of the people that were doing workshops said, oh, I'm afraid we can't do it if we're not getting paid. I, I, I totally, yeah. totally understand that. But I said, oh, I really, I really wanted to do this songwriting workshop. Can I, can I have a go at doing this songwriting workshop? And they humoured me. <laughs> and um, I, I can, the, the, the great thing about this is I took, I had my, I took my laptop along and I've wanted to do this for years, even you know, since I started teaching, I wanted to do this songwriting workshop, but I couldn't afford to do it because the equipment back in 98, when I first had the idea, mm. it was too expensive. It would have cost me thousands and thousands of pounds yeah. just to take the, the multi-track recording studio with me. Yeah. But um, back in, I think it was 2005, when we did this first, uh, uh, first uh, anti-bullying event, Apple just brought out this, lap- this laptop that enabled me to be able to do it. So right. I took it along and I had, I had a backing track that I prepared. And the idea was the children would come and I'd have three groups of kids, 30 in the first group, 30 in the second, 30 in the third. And they'd all chip in and they'd write a little bit about a bit of this song. Hmm. And I'd record it and then present it back at the end of the day. But I forgot to take the lead from my mic to the computer i, I mean that's that, that's that, that's the i've done thousands of these workshops now but and that's the only one time i made that mistake <laughs> the first workshop i i you can imagine my heart was just i knew oh exactly God. what i had to do i was prepared yeah. to do it and all the stress that it, it entailed but i'd forgot the mic cable i was like oh this is just ridiculous i'm not going to do this anyway so i thought i gotta keep going i've got the children there in front of me i can't let let them get them down so what happened was as a result of this instead of having one song i had three okay because they wrote they wrote a whole the first group wrote a whole song and they performed it over the top and i recorded it a little bit um just using uh, the audio in the, in, in the from the computer yeah and we did the same again and then they performed them at the end of the day and that was the thing when they when they performed these songs um i was just blown away by how powerful it was children children writing these lyrics these yeah. lyrics about kindness and friendship and you know respecting one another and all that sort of stuff and it was so powerful the room was silent i mean there were hundreds of kids in there and it was just silent yeah um and my, and my head teacher at the time he said to me this is a brilliant idea he said you need to do this so i then i sort of spent the next year tweaking it and fiddling around with it and trying to figure out how to do it how to best do it and then i think just around the time you and I uh, were working together, I, I kind of went for it, January 2007. Yeah. And it kind of went from there one at a time, just building it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, did, that, did that for a good few years um, and then formed a partnership with uh, a charity called Beat Bullying. Uh, it was like a perfect fit, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then worked with them for four years and did workshops in... Italy and, and all over the UK and that that just seemed like a, a great move because instantly what was happening was that the charity were applying for funding um, so that then I could offer the, the workshops to the schools for literally next to nothing you know or right. free yeah um, so schools are going yeah great come in yeah and I'd already built up my reputation by then anyway so yeah school, schools were you know happy to have me in yeah and we just just developed it from there so it became you know just escalated um and it's always been about the children i think the the thing that makes it work is that it's the children's work you know i don't even do i don't do the backing track you know i stopped doing that maybe workshop workshop three um because the children just can do it Uh, um and it was really only my insecurity and my my worry that i couldn't get the finished product done by the end of the day that 
yeah the kind of you created the, the obstacle but... and then i thought right sure we can do it so yeah and now they do everything i'm, get, I'm getting them to you know press recorded and yeah. decide on the, the choices of, of drum sounds and beat uh, bass sounds and piano sound everything wow well, yeah. so it's a great thing and i'm really proud of it You're listening to the Rural Record Producer Podcast with me, David Booth, and my guest, Nathan Timothy. So you're still doing this, but now yeah. you're, you're, you're doing it and it's your organisation. It's, it's yeah. the thing you built and created. Just tell me about, tell me about the yeah. songwriting charity. Yeah, well, the songwriting charity, we set that up in 2011. Beat bullying, sadly, was uh i went into uh, administration um right uh the, the short version of that is that uh they lost government funding and because of that they, they were just unable to sustain the size of the organization but um i i wasn't prepared to stop doing what i was doing because i knew it was having such a major impact on the kids i, wor- I was working with yeah um so i joined forces with uh, the two people, John Quinn uh, and Ben O'Sullivan, both of whom I'd met whilst working at uh, Beat Bullying. Uh, John Quinn, incredible. He was really the heart and soul of the place. He was the, you know, the driving force behind so much positivity in, within, in, you know, in Beat Bullying while I was, while I was there. Right. Um, and uh, him and I, we just, we just see things in the in the same way, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, we're doing this because of other people, not because of ourselves. And, and putting other people first is is absolutely number one on our on our priority list. So it was the right thing to do for us, us three to do this. And, and we, the main reason for setting it up was that I wanted to do other types of work. So I wanted to try out other things. So. Yeah other subjects you know i didn't want to just do anti-bullying where i will be seen to be the person that just does this anti-bullying work yeah um and it was the year before the olympics so we had this idea to do a sports tracks have uh anthems all around the, the olympics and do that in our first year so in the first year i don't think i did many anti-bullying or bully beat workshops at all it was just mainly sports Sports stuff, and it was it was lovely in a way to go back to my my roots, my sports, <laughs> my sports <laughs> yeah. roots, and be Combining. able to go and do yeah. these sorts of workshops again. Yeah. We did over 170, I think, maybe more. Wow! Um, and it was pretty intense. From January to July, I was on this literal treadmill of going from one school to the next. Some days I was a school in a school in a morning doing a song and then going to a different school in the afternoon and doing another song all about sport and all very positive, all very anthemic. But obviously in the run up to the, to 2012, nobody knew if the Olympics was going to be any good or not. So it was all this kind of, this is going to be great. All this positivity coming from me doing the workshop and, but nobody, (laughs) nobody knew that it was going to be a success, but because it was a success, all of our songs were getting played like, you know, left, right and center, even okay. though we had some played in the Olympic stadium. Oh, wow. The videos, the videos we were making with the children were getting played on these big screens all around Greenwich. So it was like that positivity and that hard work. Yeah. really did pay off in that first year. And it was, a, it was a beautiful thing to be part of. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, we did, we, we, we then set up some workshops all around kindness um, and world peace. We did did a whole batch of stuff on world peace and and the environment. We again, we I think we're going to be re- revisiting that now when everything kicks off again. Yeah, uh, back in schools. But bully beat is always that's always been the most popular thing that I've done. Right, um, and it needs revising. You know, children need to be reminded to be respectful of one another. Yeah, it's just about giving the children a, an outlet for their thoughts on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, thousands and thousands of workshops and I'm, I'm super proud of it. Well, you, as you should be. Um, so thousands of workshops, uh, yet still you find the, the, um, the motivation and the desire 
to to create your own music uh, and and you're yeah. still passionate about your own songwriting so yeah. where does that come from because because you, you've you've been I, I know what it's like if i'm working in the studio all day the last thing i want to do is then come back over here of an evening and work on my own songs yeah i mean if i had a stressful day um the first thing i'll do is i come home and i'll write a song right if i've had a good day i'll come home and i'll write a song I mean, it, <laughs> it's, it's a weird I, i'm just weird i i love I love the process of creating something from scratch. I think that's the simple, the simple way to describe it. I love creating something from nothing. I love sitting at the piano and then something kind of happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to somebody out uh, yesterday. Um, they said to me, you know, how, how, how do you, how do you know if it's, it's a good song? I said, well, I know it's a good song because it doesn't feel like I've written it. When I'm, ah. I listen back to it, it feels like somebody else has written it. So it's this other kind of, uh, it's like it's come from somewhere else. Um, um, and I, uh, that comes from, I guess, doing it a lot. Do yeah. You, do you get that? Do you get that? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly know what you mean. Um, yeah. I guess I, I know my own version of that is, uh, I know if I've written a good song, if I, if I still want to play it, uh, yeah. a week later or a month later perhaps yeah, yeah. um yeah. I, I don't know but i it's everyone i speak to has different versions of that i guess yeah. uh, th but there is always a yeah. a click but um god you've but you've, you've co-written thousands yeah. of songs mate haven't you doing yeah. doing what you do yeah as well as doing your own thing though um yeah i i, I yeah i, I just I, I i love it i absolutely love it Come on. Up, up front, uh, that I haven't listened to the whole album yet because uh, I'm mostly <laughs> trying to keep me disgusting. Kids. Yeah, Terrible. I know, but but uh, <laughs> I, I will do. But here's a line that stuck out very quickly: "Do what you love, love what you do." Yeah, it's in one yeah. of your songs. I, 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 um, I really wanted that to be the first thing you heard on the album. It, it wasn't in the end. I changed my yeah. mind at the last minute. Yeah. Um, but that's an, that is a very, I'm glad you picked up on that because it's a very important line. Um, the reason why that's on there is that mantra. And it was a mantra that my sister, sister shared with me. You know, I, um, my, sadly, my sister passed away in, uh, in 2012, you know, during, during the, uh, the Olympic year and, and kind of right when I was smack bang in the middle of this, this treadmill mm. of churning out these positivity songs. Um, and it was awful. It was just the most awful thing. And I, I remember vividly seeing that phrase on her fridge as a magnet, do what you love, love what you do. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's not, um, yeah, it's not a coincidence that you've picked up on that. I think it's a, that's a beautiful thing that you've, you found that <laughs> all, you know, you leave, that's, that's a great thing. I mean, each each song on the album is is written for someone um okay. so it started uh, yeah um we can talk a bit about that if you want. but uh, yeah I, yeah well do, yeah do it do, go for it so what's your album called Let, tell the dear listeners about your album so the album yeah it's the album's called chasing the positive um it the working title for the album it's worth knowing it was called midlife crisis <laughs> Because, because because it all you know I started writing it um, around around the time where you know my sister passed away and I was dealing with all this emotion that was related to that um, years of um, and then I following my sister dying I lost my voice I had to have two operations on my voice to to repair that I didn't um, know there that was a, there was oh. a period where um, I didn't think I was going to get my voice back um at all to be able to sing and i had intensive uh, physiotherapy uh, vocal therapy to to get mm. it repaired so but all the time i was writing um and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the songs were tracked um all the instruments recorded um with me whistling the theme the, the tune oh, wow. because i couldn't sing them yeah. um so the piano player would come over and he knew I would be writing notes to him on my notepad 
And then, you know, so I can't speak, but, you know, try this, play it like this, or I'd play it to him and then he'd play it back to me. And I'd, we, we'd known each other for such a long time that he knows what, what I like yeah. to hear. And yeah. I'd whistle the, the, the part over the top so he could record it. Um, and <laughs> the interesting thing is he didn't hear the finished songs really until the album was done. Because oh. um, I didn't share them with him. I just said, your piano parts are great. Um, I'll let you know when I've done That's it. all you need and to know. <laughs> it was literally years later that he was he was listening to these songs that he'd only heard the whistled part to. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing process. Anyway, so, so um, as, the, as the album neared completion, um, I decided I didn't really, I didn't want it to be a negative thing. You know, the fact that I achieved completing an album Mm. you know having gone through this losing my sister losing my voice um, um and then losing my father just literally before the, the week before i released the album um i i thought i can't i i don't want this to be i don't want this to reflect negativity i want the whole thing to be a positive yeah so we we, we called it chasing the positive um and um the out al- the song chasing the positive is a song that i wrote about um each song on the album is for someone um and the song chasing the positive is for john the guy that runs the charity with me because we're always getting knockbacks we're always getting kicked when we're down and uh chasing the positive is about us not giving up and and, and sticking with it because we know that there's a benefit to the children that we work with, you know, yeah. and, and it's about them, not us. We have to take us out of the picture. We've got to be chasing the positive for them. So that that's that's where that came from. Brilliant. Uh, it's Brilliant. a bit deep, but you know, songwriters no, are deep, right? Well, that's right. Uh, it's it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, so, uh, are there any uh, other particular ones you want to you want to uh, talk about? Yeah, the first track, Paper House. I think that may have been, I, I might be wrong, but I, that may have been the first song I wrote for the album. And it was about, there was a, uh, I'm, a I'm a massive Howard Jones fan, uh, as mm. I'm sure you know. Yes. <laughs> and uh, back in the 80s, while I was desperately wanting to be a keyboard player um, and obsessing about that, um, I, I kind of discovered Howard Jones uh, and was trying to learn to, to kind of copy him and everything else as, as I was writing. Um, and I joined the fan club. I became a sort of avid fan. And, and his, this fan club was run by his mum. <laughs> now, his, his mum was called Thelma. She was amazing, amazing person. And uh, well, while I was at university, I, I suffered a... a an incredible loss I lost one of my one of my best friends the, the guy lee baxter who used to record all of martin and i's songs when we were mm. growing up and um i wrote to thelma and told her that this had happened you know as a, a teenager <laughs> away from home and, and feeling all this stuff anyways i didn't expect anything but she phoned me the next day, you know, when she wow. got this letter, she phoned me up and talked to me on the phone. I thought, this is incredible. This person has uh, acknowledged me. And, and, uh, and I wanted to write about that. I wanted to write about her relationship with the fans because she, I found out since that she was like this with everybody that sent her a letter. <laughs> she, would, she would write back and she, she sent us a letter when, when, when my wife and I got married. She sent us a letter to say congratulations. And she didn't have to do that. She, she just wow. went above and beyond for, yeah. for Howard Jones's fans. And I thought that was an incredible thing. And I wanted to write about that. I wanted to, to write a thank you note to her. Yeah. So Paper House was, I guess, that was my little tribute to her. Um, there was a version prior to the one that's on the album with her voice on it, uh, but it was just too heartbreaking to, to, uh, okay. to release it like that. I, yeah. I just had to, I had to release it as well. So that became the first song, and then it was you know, do what you love, love what you do, and yeah, happy over there, you know, that kind of second song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, any other songs? I'm trying to think. Um, I wrote a song for my son on there uh, called Arms Around the World. And, and that, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's important to write 
right about these things him growing up we we all we all have at least one for our kids yeah i've got one as well yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's a, it's a it's a gift that we have that we can we can do this and a pleasure to be able to share it i suppose you know so yeah and you can yeah. you can get all that emotion that that into into the song yeah. it's a lovely it's a lovely thing to be able to do it yeah um i really wanted him to play drums on it but he, he he's too shy uh, so, uh i would i, I the, the song develops and this this uh, this a golden opportunity for him to come in at the end on his drums but maybe one day <laughs> maybe one day he will so well uh, uh, let's just uh, uh say at the moment for we are in the middle of um the uh for those of you listening to this podcast in uh i don't know a year or more or two years we are right in the middle of the uh uh, COVID-19 coronavirus lockdown and so we're all in our own homes uh, and discovering the joys of doing YouTube videos with our children and, and so Nathan has been doing a fantastic job on this recently <laughs> so 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 this is amazing because because you've you can just sit there with one 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 of your kids playing the drums and the other one doing an amazing yeah. job on the piano and you just yeah. get to saunter in with a microphone and sing over the top of it it's brilliant isn't that great? I mean, they, they fell into my trap all these years. I've been training them up to be my band and they've, they've fallen into my trap. Yeah. Um, no, it, it isn't that at all, but it, I am, I am really proud of, of both my kids. They, somebody said to me, Oh, you, you know, it must be terrible. You know, forcing your children to play piano, forcing your children. To, forcing. Honestly, Estelle and I have never, ever, um, made our children do anything. Yeah. Um, I see it's it's wonderful because in Christian in particular, I can see a young me who desperately wanted to play the piano and it was obviously in, in me and it's definitely in him to be able yeah, to, it is. Yeah. to want to play and, and, and to, and to want to express himself in that way. Yeah. Um, and the same with Harrison, Harrison, he hasn't revealed it to the world yet, but his, his, his drumming's great, but his vocal ability is, is, is oh, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great singer and he's always singing. Right. Um, so I look forward to the day when he he realizes that he can do that. Yeah. But I will never. I'll never force him to. I'll never make him do it. Yeah. Um, and they both love it. Christian's a great performer. Harrison's a bit more nervous at the moment, but he's younger. You know, I mean, he's not had the same experience yeah. that Christian's had uh, through drama and yeah. through doing plays at school. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I've never forced them to do it. I guess, I guess it's it all came it all came from them. It was all they wanted to to do these youtube videos and brilliant they said they said oh dad you've got to do it because you've got more followers than us <laughs> <laughs> so they, they're trying to get in on my get in on my audience which is fine I think. well that's okay that's allowable it's all right <laughs> so i think listening uh just to listen to the bit the album your album that, that uh, i've heard so far um i think your love of 80s music's definitely definitely a fl yeah. there are flavors of that in there it, um oh. and just classic pop music so i mean gives a few go on gives a few influences on on your music apart from howard jones because because uh, to me you sound like you're just a uh an unapologetic pop music fan and you love it and you love sort of trying out all different types of pop music as well as dance music and a bit of funk and a bit of, you know yeah i mean I, I love Stevie Wonder. Uh, I mean, cool. I would never compare myself to Stevie Wonder in a million years, but I do love that. I love Chaka Khan. Right. Um, oh, my word. My, my, my record collection is, I mean, it's, it's huge. I love the Thompson Twins, you know, all that. Yeah. Um, Nile Rodgers. I, I, I'm an absolute Nile Rodgers nut. Quincy okay. Jones. Um, Trevor Horn. Okay, so yes, yeah, so you're getting uh, uh, all right. You're crossing over into the producers yeah. now. This is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah carry on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Rupert Hine, who I'm fortunate enough to know and, and be mentored by right, because of the charity. Yeah, which is um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, ah, oh, yeah. Like a, I, I just, I just love it. It's a good song. I love it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is a great attitude, and, and uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to be better than that because historically I've been terribly snobby uh i i will admit now it's part of, it's part of my ongoing therapy uh it's like about but i'm trying to be just a lot more open-minded these days uh I, I, paula my wife catches me uh the other day i was i was uh 
being less than uh, complimentary about a song that Neve was listening to me. So Neve, my daughter, is 10 years old. She she listens to some music I like, but she also listens to some music that, that I don't like, of course, being a 10-year-old girl. Um, yeah. and, and I found myself having a go at this this song. So oh, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, analysing the song and she's just enjoying it. And Paul was like, let go, Dave, let go, Dave. <laughs> just, just enjoy it. It's, you know, she's enjoying it. Okay, uh, uh, so I am... Yeah trying to be uh, better these days of just thinking you know what there's a place for all music um if it's sure. if it's connecting with somebody somewhere absolutely yeah. no absolutely i mean you, you might listen to that song tomorrow and feel totally different about it i think yeah um yeah. you've got to be in the right mood to um to feel the full power of a certain song like if you know you know yeah just thinking about, about my own music you know and the way you know, if I'm, I've, I've written songs, like certainly this year, um, in, in January, January was, was probably the, one of the most saddest months because I, my father just passed away and, um, I made myself write every day wow. as, as, as to give me a, a focus other than, than that, other than, other than thinking about him all the time. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it gave me a, a purpose for for each day, and I mean, some of those songs. I think if they connect, <laughs> if they connect with people when I eventually record them, I mean, it'll yeah. be so so powerful. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, some, there's some beautiful moments on there, and there's also some stuff which I'll never play because it's just you know, awful. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So what, what do you think? Uh, uh, we should we should uh, we've been rabbit on for a long time, so and I've, I've taken up too much of your time, but I've just got no. a couple of. Uh, couple more questions um what do you reckon uh, estimate your percentage hit rate of songs you write versus songs you end up keeping does that make oh, sense wow wow it's very oh it's very low <laughs> because i write so many you know i, I mean well, yeah 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 i must have ah oh, I, I wrote hundreds before settling on the on the 10 that were on on the album and I jettisoned two before, before a week before. Wow. Okay. Um, there were two and my son was like, what about that song? Where, where's that one? Yeah. <laughs> but you've been playing in the car to me. I love that song. I said, but every time I played it, you said careless whisper. <laughs> oh no. Okay. So I, 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 I thought, well, maybe it's too much like careless whisper to go on. Yeah. There. He said, no, no, he's, but I liked it. I liked it. Um, uh... but, um, Perhaps you so they may end. Up, they may end up on the next album. Well, so there you two- go. Let, let the lawyers decide, Nathan. Don't don't. You know. <laughs> I'm not telling you what the song is. You, know, okay. like, you have to figure that out. But it's not released one. yet. As of, okay. as of whenever we are now, April 2020. So okay. Disclaimer okay. alert. So you write loads before you finally settle on. I do. Uh, I'm, I, I, it's really frustrating because right. I, I I want everybody to hear everything. Okay. But, um, yeah, I don't know whether you feel like that as well. I could probably do a gig tonight, you know, a two hour gig tonight, and then tomorrow do a totally new okay. set of, of songs for another two hours. No, I, think, I don't think I'm that prolific. No, I, I've, 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 I've been yeah. a lot. Oh, no, I just, I don't and, know. You know, that's not including all the stuff that Martin and I wrote together. We wrote, we wrote hundreds of songs. I mean, right. Well, long may it continue. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Good, good. Uh, all right. Well, we should um, we should also get get some information from you about how people can find you. Are you going to go on, go on the road when when sort of hopefully the world opens up again and and the music yeah. venues open up and stuff? Are you going to go on the road with this this album? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the guys I've I've worked with, I must mention the guys I work with on the album. Steve Corley in particular, who plays on plays piano on every track. Steve's worked with me. Um, oh, for many, many, many years now, uh, since my first studio album in 98, 98, 97, sort of around that time. And, um, yeah, he's incredible. So Steve Corley, um, piano, uh, Mark Cox, again, who I've known for a long, long time, he plays guitar on a lot of the tracks. Um, um, and I think, um, it's Robin Bolt plays on Happy Over There, and he, he was fantastic to work with. Um, Emily Dolan Davis plays drums. She does a remote 
drum uh, recording, um, yeah. and it was great to work with her. Yeah, um, she's on quite a lot of the tracks. Um, I think eight out of the ten she plays on. Right. But she has to put she has to put up with my dodgy drum programming. <laughs> so because what happens typically is I'll play I'll program the drums sort of as I want them roughly, yeah. and then send them to her, and she plays it almost like exactly as I've played it with, with my programming, but okay. except with a human feel. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, it's been great to work with her. Um, but yet I really want to take it out on tour um, with Steve, probably just, just him and I, to be honest. Right. I like, I like the kind of stripped down, taking the songs back to their original format. So I, yeah. More often than not, I'll just write them. I write everything at the piano first and then, okay. and then bring it in here to do all the arrangements. So yeah. Um, they all start that way and get recorded on my phone. Back in the early days, used to be a tape, but yeah. now it's, it's every, all the ideas, the hundreds of ideas are on my phone. Yeah. Um, and then when I'm happy with the song, it then comes into here. Yeah. And I produce it up and cool. spend millions of hours on it. But yeah, touring. <laughs> touring, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all right, well, meanwhile, while we're not touring and, and uh, what have you, where can people find you and your amazing charity as well? Okay, so uh, the important thing first, songwritingcharity.org, <laughs> songwritingcharity.org, um, or search for The Songwriting Charity uh, on Google and you'll find loads of information about us there. Um, and me, very easy to find my music, nathantimothy.com. Um, and uh, yeah, if you just cool. put Nathan Tim- Timothy into um, uh, iTunes or Apple Music or Spotify, you will find my music there. You are everywhere. Good. Everywhere. Can't, well, can't I, I should hope so. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Well, it's been very, very nice to speak to you again, uh, mate. It's been too long. Um, yes, and, likewise. Uh, thanks for sharing uh, your story with us. And Pleasure. enjoy the lockdown as much as possible uh, and uh, yeah. and enjoy jamming with uh, with your lads. <laughs> I will. I will. I mean, it's a really you know those sorts of moments are really special and i think you know i want to try and try and hang on to those as much as possible absolutely yeah right cheers mate i'll speak to you again soon yeah cheers bye so that's all for this week if you want to get in touch with some constructive feedback or perhaps ideas about future subjects for these podcasts i'd love to hear from you email david at the recording booth.co.uk twitter at rural record pro or my main website is therecordingbooth.co.uk. You can find me there. Thanks for listening to the Rural Record Producer Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please do make sure you follow and if possible, leave a nice review of the podcast on your chosen platform. Until next time, enjoy your music.